Hello, welcome and kumusta and thank you for joining me in this episode of OT Conversations. My name is Hao. I am your occupational therapist and in this episode we will be talking about some cognitive perceptual deficits. So how we're doing this is I'm going to talk to be I'll talk to you about the area of deficit and then we'll define it and then we are going to be discussing just a tiny bit about some functional description of this deficit. So the first deficit of uh, cognitive perceptual deficit is a problem it with body scheme. And this body scheme problem is a, an awareness. Body scheme is the awareness of body parts, the position of the body and its parts in relation to themselves and objects in the environment. And so any functional description or any functional deficit in here, a person may have a problem with dressing apraxia. So they may have dressing apraxia. They may not recognize the body parts or the relationship of body parts in relation to one another. And then it may be that the person will have difficulty with transfers. So that is a body scheme problem. The next problem is a problem called right and left discrimination. So this one, this is the ability of the person to understand the concepts of right and left. Now with a person with the right brain deficit, it may be a problem with the visuospatial deficit, particularly if they've had a right stroke. But people with left-sided stroke and aphasia, it may be because they have a language deficit with you know, with people with left brain deficit and with no uh, aphasia, it may be caused by general mental impairment. And uh, to, you know, a person will have difficulty with dressing and they will have understanding directions that includes right or left. So in terms of retraining, you can have a retraining called right and left discrimination activities, for example. So you can have sessions that involve right and left discrimination, or you can have a direct cognitive perceptual retraining, which involves identifying or some activities that involves doing right and left. The Another one uh, is called a body part identification. So this is a person's ability to identify the parts on self and their body parts of self and on, on others as well. So you can do, you can ask a person to uh, point to their nose, point to their chin, point to their forehead. So that is a question of body part identification. So you can grade this by grading impaired, intact, or absent. And... Uh, you can only rely on this if the person can actually communicate. So if you ask them to point to body parts like point to nose, point to chin, point to forehead, and they cannot do it, just think because it might be that they have concerns about communication. So that is why functional communication is really very important when you're addressing uh, perceptual deficits and cognitive perceptual deficits. So a person with a body part identification problem may respond incorrectly 
when they you ask them to move a specific body part okay so that's body part identification the next one is a uh, problem called um uh, called uh, finger agnosia yeah and by definition a finger agnosia is the difficulty naming or uh, being able to name the fingers that are identified so pe uh, people who has finger agnosia will have difficulty with their uh, dexterity so because they cannot identify their fingers it is almost always associated with some kind of uh, dexterity problem so it can be a sensory problem it can be because they cannot perceive the upper limb that's why they cannot tell that they the fingers is actually theirs this is very much typical on a uh, people who's had some right brain stroke or uh, conditions where the right brain is involved another symptom is called anosognosia and this is the condition where the person has unawareness or they have a denial of the deficits so in here the person will have uh, when they do functional activity they they are unsafe because they don't know that they are at risk and they are unable to learn some compensatory techniques as well so anosognosia is a problem and it's a symptom typical of a right brain injury or right brain stroke so it's not just straightforward when you go and ask the person and say when you approach a person and knowing that they have a right cva and you ask them is everything okay and they might say to you yeah everything is fine okay and uh, you know they sit up they stand up they're very much at risk because they do not know that there are some problems so they would always think that nothing is wrong which is very very interesting so that is anosognosia another one that you need to be familiar with is a term called unilateral neglect it's a neglect of one side of the body or uh, extra personal space so you can have two types of unilateral neglect you can have motor neglect and on the motor neglect here the person would move but they just have inattention motor inattention they do not initiate movement on that side again it is typical and particular to people having problems with the right brain so that is motor inattention okay and then another one is a uh, a a sensory or perceptual inattention and it is the inability to attend to stimulus on the affected side on the contralateral space so you have two types of neglect or inattention yeah you have motor inattention where the person stops initiating movement on that side but if you ask them to focus on it and you ask them to move it they can move it with some difficulty and then the other one is the sensory inattention where when they're moving they would tend to bang on items and they would tend to hit items on the contralateral side or on the particular side so usually the side that gets uh not the the, the, the side on which the person does not attend to is the left side 
because again this is typical but not always or not all the time typical of a right brain condition so it's a right brain stroke for example position in space is another term you need to be familiar with position in space this is in here by definition it's the ability to understand the concepts of over and under above and below yeah so that is position in space so it's the concept of up above below yeah and people who has problems with uh, position in space will have difficulty moving through crowded area they would have difficulty with dressing they would have difficulty following directions using the terms of these things so if you give them cognitive retraining and use you, you know give them instructions so put the phone on top of the table put the phone on top of the book and put the pencil in between the pages of the book so just these instructions alone will enable a person to improve on their position in space so again it's one session that you can do and it is called a uh, perceptual motor retraining or cognitive perceptual retraining spatial relations is the ability to perceive the self in relation to other objects okay so there's a little bit uh, confusing isn't it so position in space it's the concept of up down left and right the spatial relations it's about the self in relation to other objects so if you want to do you can either be impaired or intact so you can put items in front of the patient you can put items on the left side of the patient and you can just give them instructions for example right now i am sitting in front of a telephone for example and on my right side is a pen and you can give me instructions i want you to pick the pen that is on your right side and put it on your left side so it is always in relation to the body and it's in relation to the person as well so that is spatial relations so when you have problems with this it's very difficult because if you want to train the person then you do some cognitive retraining for them to know it's actually being nominal and naming the the right and left and the front and back in relation to them but another training where you can do this is by moving items on left and right so putting items on the front of the patient in front of the patients behind them you know sitting on top of them so that's in relation to them so problems here in spatial relations a person will have problems with transfers again uh, they will have they they will have problems moving through crowded area again it's gross perception isn't it uh, and then the other one so after spatial relations you can have concerns or problem uh, in the symptom called topographical orientation so that is orientation the person is aware of topography so a person's ability to find one's way from one place to another is called topographical orientation so a person having problems here is uh, they it means that they will have difficulty finding their way in a room or 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 uh, you know they're able to find their way you know from one part of the building to another they get lost topographical orientation again very much typical of a person who's had 
who has perceptual deficits. So it's also linked to a person having uh, ideational apraxia, for example. So if they have ideational apraxia, then they wouldn't know where to go. Um, I've had a case, a particular experience in, in at some point in my career where I was working with somebody who has expressive dysphasia, who has ideomotor apraxia, apraxia, so he can do things. He's self-orientated. He knows what he needed to do. He can put on his clothes if he wanted to. He can, he can walk around the area. There's no problem. Just on distant observation, they can do that. But if you ask them to do it, they can't do it. This is because the, is, uh, the sensation and the instruction does not get processed. So it is a receptive dysphasia and therefore it's hard to simulate tasks. So when a person has topographical orientation, you just want to observe them from a distance. To a point that this particular case that I had, is I, I took them in an access visit and it was really fun because I get them to instruct me the direction towards their place. So I was doing the driving. The person was sitting next to me. Communication, no small talks during while we were in the car. So I was just there and there's no small talks. It's just not talking. But then every time we were getting near, we were getting near his place. You know, if there's an interaction, I'll go and ask him right, left, straight on. And he'd bang on just then at the very moment it goes straight on, okay, straight ahead. And then intersection, turn, and then I'd say, he'll turn left, yep, turn left. And then he would do that as we go along. But forward instruction, uh, he can't do that. You know, there was no in, in, indication or he can't tell me, he cannot tell the direction uh, because of the expressive dysphasia. But he managed to guide me all the way to his house, which was amazing. So that's one of the most exciting things I've done and, and I was guided uh, by a person with uh, topographical orientation but the only way to find out is to actually observe and to try and it's usually the last minute when they're able to to get that functional uh, response another concept or another uh, terminology or phrase is called figure ground perception so figure ground perception is a person's ability to distinguish the foreground from the background. So if a person has problem with figure ground perception, they are unable to find object in a cluttered drawer or they have difficulty, you know, you know with uh, finding out where the white cloth is, you know, amidst white sheet for example or uh, they would have difficulty, you know, finding the brakes on the wheelchair or they would have difficulty identifying the food in the fridge. Yeah, because it's all cluttered and it's all perceptual deficits, isn't it? So figure ground perception is a perceptual deficit. So if they have this problem, what you'll do is perceptual retraining. How do you do that? For example, so you can get, uh, you know, mix a letters uh write a few letters superimposed over one another on a sheet of paper and get them to trace letter a for example and find it amongst b and c and d see whether they can do that 
or you can draw shapes and outline of figures for example or 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 or, or items and get them to trace it as well uh, or uh, superimpose shapes you know get them to uh, superimpose a triangle a square and a circle and then you get them to trace what you ask them for example you get them to trace the circle over the distractions that are there of uh, you know shapes of triangle and a square so that is figure ground perception so for people who has perceptual deficits this is a concern yeah so I, I would say this is why I have such a huge concern and issue about people believing that putting multiple pictures, you know, with stroke and all of a sudden they just identify words through emojis, you know, it, that's a little bit tricky because if a person has motor, uh, motor uh, aphasia, Yes, that's understandable. They can point. They can understand. That's fine. But for somebody who's got perceptual problem, then this becomes a concern because it's a visual-spatial concern. So regardless of what the shape of the item is, it's very difficult to identify it. So just be mindful on that. Another uh, term that you need to be familiar with is a term called limb apraxia. And by definition, this is the person's inability to carry out purposeful movement in the presence of intact sensation, movement, and coordination. So you have two types um, of apraxia, or a few types of apraxia, really. Uh, so you can have ideomotor apraxia, where the person has the idea of movement but has difficulty following the movement if you ask them for example um, you say how do you brush your hair can you demonstrate how to brush your hair they just would not do it but if you give them a comb spontaneously they will do that so they have an ideomotor apraxia so that means that the person just also is demonstrating some receptive aphasia and then another apraxia is called ideational apraxia where a person really will have no sense of what to do. So this is really a cognitive impairment because they don't know the purpose of things. They don't know how to work with things. So that is called a um, ideational apraxia. Another type of apraxia is a person's deficit in constructional activities like graphic assembly, for example, or assembling tasks and 3D design. You know, this is called constructional apraxia. Yeah, contracts or constructional apraxia, depending on you how where you want and how you want to pronounce it. Apraxia. Ah is without praxis, without praxis, but constructional. So, again, with right brain uh, disease or right brain problems, uh, a person would have the drawings that they would exhibit when they try to draw something. Uh, they can tend to, be, they, they tend to be complex, but it will exhibit these organized uh, spatial relations and there would be poor orientation in space. 
Like, for example, if you ask a person to draw a figure or a shape, that's why drawing a person is one form of assessing a body scheme, for example. And you can see that the head is there, but the eyes and everything else, there's a visual-spatial problem. They're not at the right place. So if you ask a person to draw a clock, for example, and see whether there's enough spacing in there, that is a test for constructional apraxia. Or you can get a person to copy a 3D design. So if you have blocks, for example, you can assemble the blocks in a way that it would assume or it would look like a pyramid, and you get the person to copy it. So that is constructional apraxia. Now, people with left brain damage, for example, their drawings tend to be more simplified with fewer details. And this is because of the, uh, it, it, it's, it is believed to be an executive or a conceptual deficit. So it's more simplified when you ask the person with left brain problem to draw a person. So the image is much more, much more simple. And uh, the person may also, so here with constructional apraxia, uh, patient uh, difficulties here, they may have difficulty with dressing. They will have difficulty, you know, setting the table or making a dress, for example, or wrapping a gift or doing something constructional, really. So gift wrapping, origami, they would have difficulty with that. Assembling a pen, you know, disassemble that and assemble it again. So that is something that you can do. And the person, it's a constructional apraxia retraining or actually still would fall on the category of cognitive perceptual retraining. Another form of apraxia is dressing apraxia, which is the inability to dress oneself. And again, inability to dress oneself, making sure that the person has an intact sensation, they have intact... Uh, uh, you know, movement, they have, in, they have good coordination, but they still could not put the clothes the right way around. So you would have clothes that are put on uh, inside out. They can't find their way through. They can't put their arms in the sleeves. Yes, very much obvious to people who has a right brain stroke. That's dressing apraxia. Attention is uh, the ability to focus on a specific stimulus without being distracted. So obviously a problem with attention, you would, be, you would have inattention or distractibility. Okay. Uh, again, this now is a cognitive problem. So that's why it is called a perceptual and cognitive perceptual deficit. So when you do some tasks and retraining and your focus is to improve the attention, that is cognitive retraining, okay? Orientation is a person's ability or, or a person can be oriented to three, three areas, which is uh, the areas of person, place, and time. Uh, so a person who has orientation problem will have, dif will have difficulty answering questions to, um, you know, to, to date and the time. And they may get agitated or they just will give you the wrong dates and or they will guess where, you know, what the appropriate date would be. So that's disorientation, simple retraining, reorientation, isn't it? If they don't know the right date, just tell them the right date. If they don't know where they are, tell them where they are. If they don't know what's happening, 
can have some current events discussion. Again, these are cognitive retraining. Memory is again a term you are very familiar with and you can actually uh, listen to uh, my, my past uh, podcasts for this, Understanding Cognition. Um, again, it's the registration. So with memory, you have a few parts. You have a person registering the sensation and then it will be encoded and then it will be consolidated for storage and then the person can just recall and retrieve the information. So with memory, and if particularly if it's a short-term memory problem, then the person cannot retain the, the, the rule of what they need to do, and so they will appear to be disorientated, okay? They will forget the names easily. They wouldn't know what the schedule would be. There would be a decreased ability to learn or to follow directions. And last of the general cognitive perceptual deficit is a problem with problem-solving skills. Problem-solving is the ability to manipulate a fund of knowledge and apply this information to new or unfamiliar situations. So people having problem-solving difficulties, they would have difficulty with routine self-care and household chores or routine shopping and planning and meal, you know, planning the meal. They may, have, they may be socially inappropriate. They can exhibit poor judgment. They will have difficulty ordering or sequencing information um, with work in particular. Okay. So there you go, guys. These are just general, general definitions of some cognitive perceptual deficits. So if you want to retrain them, how do you do this? It is then called cognitive perceptual retraining. Isn't it? So there are sequences to this. Yeah. First, a sensation. A person needs to have the sensation coming in. So if you do the sensation, that is called sensory retraining. If you want the person, the next stage is for a person to understand the sensation. And this becomes perception. Yeah. Perception is the interpretation of sensation. So sensor, sensation at first, and then whether they can acknowledge it, whether they can identify that the input is coming in. So that sensation. Then the next thing is for them to understand what they're feeling, and that becomes perception. Combine the two, it's called sensory perceptual retraining. Now, when you have perception and you have these uh, ability of the person to understand what they're feeling, next you need to interpret it. You need to problem solve it. You need to manipulate it with your brain. And cognition. Now, this becomes a perceptual or cognitive perceptual retraining. You can have a direct cognitive retraining. You know, you can have orientation, memory, prob problem-solving retraining. And these are all cognition, cognitive retraining. But if you provide stimulus like spatial relations, if you have some sensations like uh, you know, front and back and you're having them to manipulate things, then that becomes a sensory or a rather percep cognitive perceptual retraining. Okay? So there you go, guys. Those are the three parts. You know, you can have sensory retraining on its own or you can have combined sensory perceptual retraining on its own together. You can have perceptual retraining on its own or you can have cognitive retraining on its own, 
or you can combine cognitive perceptual retraining. Now the question is, can you buy? Can you combine sensory cognitive retraining? Well, technically, you'd be doing perceptual cognitive perceptual retraining, isn't it? All right. So those are the three stages. There's one more to add. You know, motor retraining. Yeah, which is movement. And uh, if you have movement and you get the person to understand the movement then this is perceptual motor retraining yeah particularly if you're training kinesthesia if you're training if you're having stereognosis retraining so this is perceptual motor retraining um do you have cognitive motor retraining yes you do but this is a different approach altogether and it becomes a carl shepherd's motor relearning which would be an approach when you are dealing with problems such as stroke. So it's cognitive motor or cognitive relearning. And that will be out uh, for discussion in future topics. There you go, guys. Thank you so much for taking time. It seems a lot, isn't it? There's a lot of talk about cognitive perceptual retraining so in this episode we've spoken or we've discussed about some of the perception or areas that where there can be a deficit so the description of the deficit like for example body scheme right and left discrimination body part identification finger agnosia anosognosia unilateral neglect position in space spatial relations topographical orientation you can have figure ground perception, limbapraxia, constructional apraxia, dressing apraxia, attention orientation, memory, and problem solving. Yep. Okay. So, I hope you learned a little something today. If it was a little bit too complicated, then just go and rewind it and play it again. And hopefully it makes uh, a sense. And if you learn something, just talk to your friends about it have this discussion, grow together, and have that, that, that wonderful, healthy uh, conversation. Just remember, guys, uh, anything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye! <laughs>